theyeshiva.net. We're doing this Maimah backwards. We did the last few prokim in the first shir. We did the middle two prokim, beginning with Sif Talad in the second shir. Now we're doing the beginning. What we're going to do now is learn the Maimah inside and read the questions that the Rebbe has and answer them as we go. In other words, the Maimit is long. What I would like to do tonight is learn the Maimit and right away give you the answer so that it's consolidated, it's concentrated, it's, it's immediate. And you don't have to go through the whole beard as we discussed it in the last two weeks. Okay, now just bear in mind, this is the first Purim of the Rebbe's Nasiyas. This is the first Purim Maimit that the Rebbe said as a Rebbe, as a Nasi. It's literally uh, 35 days after Yud Shvat. And uh, it's the fourth or the fifth moment that I've said. And by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this when I gave the introduction, that the Rebbe was asked by Rabbi El Khan that he should write his own Maimorim. They found two manuscripts, two Kisvayat Kedesh of the Rebbe trying to write a Maimir. One I think is Kisisa, and the other is this, Fakibul The Rebbe started writing. And very quickly, he began to summarize, to write in the Kodesh. Apparently, for the Rebbe, it was difficult to write the Maimir because of the time constraints that he had, or whatever the case was. But this Maimir, a part of it is available in the Rebbe's own Ksaviyat Kedish, as the Rebbe began to write it. And of course, it's based on a very important Maimir. It's based on the Maimir the previous Rebbe said, Purim Kot Nishnas Prozes, in 1927, about four months before his arrest, he traveled to Moscow to meet Dr. Rosen, who was the representative of the joint in Russia. I think he was an American Jew. And uh, the Rebbe came clandestinely. They came secretly. No one was allowed to know he was there and so on. Chassidim found out he was there and invited to come to speak in the Lubavitcher Shul. The Rebbe said he couldn't refuse them. So he went. And the way it's described is the Shul was packed and people were out into the street and when the Rebbe said the Maimir, he said it so loud that everybody out in the street could hear his voice clearly. And he said that Maimir v'kibla Yehudim. And of course, as we know, the Maimir that the Rebbe said then was about Mesiris Nefesh. And he primarily spoke about the Nikesh Shobes Rabban, about little children uh, learning Teir on the times of Mesiris Nefesh and so forth. So as you know, this Maimir of our Rebbe is not so focused on the idea of Mesiris Nefesh, although Mesiris Nefesh is certainly a basic part of the Maimed. The point of this Maimed is to explain the relationship between the Mesiris Nefesh and Torah. This Maimed is a Torah Maimed. So let's begin. The Jewish people affirmed or accepted again this that they had started to do by Har In his Maimed, which begins with this prefix, with this pasuk. Which the Rebbe had just printed for Purim of 1951 of Tavshin Yudalev, that the Jewish people accepted a second time this that they had started to accept when the Abisha gave us the Teda a thousand years earlier. When the Jewish people said at Har Sinai, we will do and we will hear. And of course, Hasidus explained that this is the idea of Kabbalah. And Kabbalah said, Mitzvah, and later on in the Maimir, Nasa Venishma is going to be called. Mesidas Nefesh Pekoyach, says the previous Rebbe, that was only a beginning, Heichelu. They started last days to do. 
During the decree of Haman, which is almost precisely a thousand years after Matan there was a final reacceptance. It's the Pshat in the Pasuk. So the previous Rebbe then goes ahead and asks the question. The previous Rebbe's question is, it's wondrous, it's strange, it's odd. How could it be that Purim would culminate, Purim would complete something which had started at Har Sinai, meaning that in a certain aspect, Purim was greater than Har Sinai. Why is it a wonder? When the Eibishter gave us the tale, the Jews stood in the highest possible state. First of all, in Begashmis, physically, that they were they were in a very, very good condition, very praiseworthy condition, in terms of freedom. They were independent, they were out of Mitzrayim, they owned themselves, they were subservient to no one, and so on. As well as spiritually, the Jewish people at that time had Gilead, of course, the revelation of godliness. In the very highest of levels. So Matan Tehidu was an event which took place in an ideal circumstance. And the times of the Jewish people found themselves in the lowest possible state. And the Rebbe develops just how low that state was. First of all, the Nase, first of all, the Hahelim Vahestashabachalgal. It was exile, Golas. And what do we know about Golas? Such a darkness covers the earth. Many contractions and hiddennesses and concealments. So every Golos is a negative condition. And of course, you know what it says in Hasidus about Golos. That Golos means you find yourself in a situation where your spark of godliness is trapped and you cannot redeem it, you cannot release it. The condition of being in Golos is like a person is in jail and the cell is locked and he doesn't have the key because if you have the key and you can take yourself out of Golos, if you choose to remain in Golos, it's not a Golos. So Golos means Kayachal, the Ebishter is limited, that he can't reveal himself, and the key, so to speak, is not by him. And in addition, not only with the Jewish people in Golos, because of the idea of Golos in general, but more specifically, because of the decrees of Haman. The hiddenness and the concealments were even more. That Haman made Gzeris. First of all, he was going to kill all the Jewish people who were called Yehudim. And in addition, he made decrees against learning Tate and doing mitzvahs in the weeks and months leading up to the day on which he intended on killing all the Jewish people. So the Jewish people were spiritually in a very compromised condition. Materially as well. The Jewish people found themselves in a condition which was very, very, very lowly. And what's the proof? There was actually a decree to annihilate and to kill and to make disappear, God forbid, that's called HaYehudim. All the Jewish people called Yehudim, young and old, women and children and women. one day. So, in the time of Purim, it wasn't a theory, it was an actual fact that this decree was made, and the fact that this decree was made gives you an idea of the place the Jewish people held in the world. So both spiritually and physically, Har Sinai was in a much higher madrigue than Purim, and therefore the question becomes, Afa became nevertheless, Bisman, Matan, Tehidu, and the Abish gave us the Tehidu. 
When the Jewish people are on the highest madrege, spiritually and also materially, that means in terms of freedom. Ha was only a beginning. And the time, the decree of Haman. The Jewish people in the lowest possible state. Then emphatically, Kiblu was there a final affirmation and commitment to Masha Echelu this that had started when the Abisha gave us the Tate. So the previous Rebbe's big question is how can Putim compliment Matantel? Putim was such a difficult time for the Jewish people. Matantel was such an ideal time for the Jewish people. And how could Putim possibly compliment Matantel? This is the question. <coughs> the previous Rebbe answers the question. In the time of Purim, when the Jewish people were experiencing this decree, and their lives stood in the balance, their fulfillment of Tehro Mitzvah involved B'Mesiris Nefesh, sacrifice. And as you'll see, Mitzvah soon, and we discussed this two weeks ago, that there's Mesiris Nefesh Pekayach, which is Nasav There's Mesiris Nefesh Mitzad Haneshama Bepel, which is Hanukkah, which has a Cheshbet. And there's Mesiras, Nefesh, Bepeil, Mitzad Aguf, which is Purim, which is Hefker. In other words, it's the ultimate level of Mesiras Nefesh. And that's why Purim, in as much as it's the ultimate level of Mesiras Nefesh, is able to complete the event of Matan Teda, as you'll see soon. That the Yidin's Mesiris Nefesh at that time was, he only im hoyum amidim das machas v'shalom, if they would have traded in their faith for another faith. Loi hoyu oisim lam klum, nothing would have been done to them. Kagizeir hoy serakala Yehudim, the decree was against Jews, Yehudim. Nevertheless, not one single Jew thought about departing from that status. So there was an Indian of Mesiris Nefesh. And of course, we talked about this, and I believe there's a Sikh from the Fidi Kerev, a Purim Tafshin Aleph, where this idea is developed at length. That the traditional name of the Jewish people was Ivri, Yivrei in Russian Hebrew. And um, when the Jewish people went to Bavel, the Hebrews went to Bavel, and they arrived in Bavel, they were seen as Hebrews. The word Hebrew, the word Ivri, is also means an immigrant, a foreigner. Like it does in the Chazal, that the word Ivri means me'evirachar, from the other side of the river. But when the Jewish people arrived in Bavel, they were very, very intelligent, they were very handsome, they were very beautiful, and the Babylonians embraced them. And they were taken into Nebuchadnezzar's cabinet, and they were assimilated into the society, and there was even a very significant percentage of Jewish people who, God forbid, intermarried. In other words, life was good in Golos. So the Jews who cared about principle changed their name. They took a new title for themselves. Instead of being called Ivri, they took the title Yehudi. And Yehudi does not mean from Shevet Yehuda. The most famous of all the Yehudim is Mordechai himself, Mordechai from Shevet bin Yamin. The meaning of the word Yehudi, as the Gemara says, it is a kefir ba'avedazar, denying idol worship. And the Rebbe would very often quote this Gemara and add that if someone is kefir ba'avedazar, is a bederech memela made the If you deny idol worship, you're automatically conceding and accepting and admitting the, the veracity, the truth of the entire tale. And that's the meaning of the word Yehudi. I once had a Jew challenge me, how come we're called Jew, we're not all from Shevet Yehuda. 
I was a kid, I didn't have an answer, but the answer is because the word Jew does not mean from Shevet Yod. The word Jew means I'm principled, principled in my Jewishness and I'm prepared to give my life for it. So the Chiddush of this Alter Rebbe, which has very, very few sources in Medrash Chazal, is that Haman wasn't killing Jews like Hitler. Hitler killed Jews no matter what. He killed non-Jews because they had a certain percentage of Jewish blood. Haman killed only religious Jews and the defiant ones. So any Jew could get out of losing his life by becoming undefiant. And yet they stood in their defiance. And in fact, Jews who were more assimilated became joined the ranks of the defiant, became Yehudim, and there was a rock-hard dedication to Hashem that even if they would lose their lives, they wouldn't budge from their position. And that's what makes Purim so extraordinary. There's an incredible amount of Mesiris Nefesh. Omevayas, three lines, Netapi explains, when we speak about the Jewish people at that time, having Mesiris Nefesh is a number of aspects, is a number of parts to it. Number one, the first level of Mesiris Nefesh is that they would not deny God, they would not rebel against the belief in one God, which is of course a core belief that a Jew cannot and will not. The famous Lashon, neither wishes to nor is capable of becoming separate from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and this is what happened at that time. No Jew would rebel, would, would trade in their belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu for something else. But there was more. There was a Mesiris Nefesh for the fulfillment of Tayyid and Mitzvah. Meaning, in other words, Haman made more than one decree. He made a decree to kill the Yehudim on 13 other in the next year. But he made a decree also that he did not allow to practice Tayyid and Mitzvah and you can get killed before that date if you would. And in footnote 13, the Rebbe says, and by the way, this Shtikele, you have almost word for word in the Vyata Tetzaveh, where he also speaks about Purim. And he develops it also on these several levels of Mesiris Nefesh. The idea that Jewish people, pardon me, would be Mesir Nefesh for the fulfillment of Tayyid Mitzvah is greater, is a greater novelty than being Mesir Nefesh, not to become cut off from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When it touches faith, it says in Tanya chapter 18 and 19, every Jew is Mesir Nefesh, because the Pintaliyad emerges, because the Shruach Shtus, it says in chapter 24, There's a point in the Neshama which can never be in Golos. A point in the Neshama which can never be in Ruach Shtos. It can only be Shina. And when you wake it up, But that's for the Nekudas Ayyadus. For the Iker. Not to go against the Kaddish Baruch fundamentally. But Teir and Mitzvah in the daily life is not included in that. And that year they had Mesiris Nefesh for Teir and Mitzvah as well. And the third level of Mesiris Nefesh was Sheikilu Kilis Barab. They gathered large groups of Jewish people together. Lil Meteira, be Mesiris Nefesh, to learn Teira with Mesiris Nefesh, which is also outlawed. So there's three levels to the Mesiris Nefesh of Purim. The Mesiris Nefesh about not to be Kefir Beikir. The Mesiris Nefesh for Teira and Mitzvah. So there's Nefesh, do it in a very, very public way. And this is the explanation for why Purim is greater than Matan Teda, as you'll see later on. But he adds, The arousal of this Mesiris Nefesh, Although it came from the Yiddish and Shamans, but it was aroused by their leader, by their Rebbe, by their Nasi, which is Mordechai. Who, as the Medrash says, was Meshesh Abedeide, the Mesh of his generation. Shehikil Kilis, but Abim, he was the one who gathered large groups of Jewish people together, Lechazek Amunos, and to strengthen their faith. Now later on in the Maimed, that means on page 
Ayin Zayin. Near the bottom of the page, the Rebbe says an unbelievable thing. That if Yidin would have Mesiris Nefesh without Mordechai, the Mesiris Nefesh would involve sacrifice. But when Yidin have Mesiris Nefesh with Mordechai, there's another aspect, a higher aspect. That the Mesiris Nefesh is about ah, sacrifice, but rather that our bodies are transformed. That instead of giving our lives away, our lives become a keli for Tehid. And then he says, Moreover, the primary involvement of little children. And the Rebbe says, and this is Taka on page Ayin Zayin, that there is no example of Mesiras Nefesh for learning Teda, which is about preserving the body rather than sacrificing it and learning Teda with little children. Because learning Teda with little children means that you're bringing godliness into the goof. Shame, I say, shall call you so to the foundation of all the Jewish people. As the previous Rebbe explained at length in his Maimon, which is a Maimon of Mesiris Nefesh, to teach Yiddish Kendal Achtero, Begadel, Miles Hevotin, Ekeshel Besabin, what's outstanding about the air of the mouths of little children that's called Hevel Shame Bechet. As the Medrash says, Shekib, it's Mardechai HaYehudi, Mardechai gathered Chav, Bezal of Talmidim, 22,000 disciples. And taught them, Tehidu, what the Mesiris Nefesh, Ad, and the Mesiris Nefesh was so strong, Shekshabo, Haman Arasha, the evil man, Haman came. Mardechai Omalem, so Mardechai told the children, Baruchulachem, escape. So he shouldn't kill you. You shouldn't be burnt by my coal. Almost the children told him, we're with you, Ben Lachaim Ben for life and for death. In other words, they prepared to endure any kind of punishment. the only condition that they had was Shalali Parid Mi'ateda, not to become separate from the Teda, and not to become separate from Meshara So these little children said they wouldn't leave, and of course you all know the Hemshech that Muhammad comes in and he says to Mordechai, why are you so happy? And Mordechai says, because I have a good besuda. I'll tira v'pachat pisei, mutsuwei tzavisufer, v'adzik nanihu, and so forth. So it was an enormous amount of Mesiris Nefesh, which showed itself not only in the basics of Yiddishkeit, but in the specifics of Yiddishkeit. And it even showed itself in the children, in their guf. It says, the Rebbe v'zeh, when this explains, I'm on the last four lines of the first paragraph, on page Samaches, what is the meaning of a key? The Jewish people reaffirmed, committed themselves. To this day, it started doing a Tarsinai, when the Abisha gave them the Tate was only a beginning. And the time of the decree of Hamon Arasha. That Mesiris Nevish was the final affirmation. Because since in the Purim story, they had Mesiras Nefesh, but pale actual Mesiras Nefesh. Al-Tayro Mitzvah, for Yiddishkeit, so the Rebbe says, Nis'alu, and then parenthesis, they were elevated in one aspect, Lemadrega Nailis Yeser, Mikmoisha Hoyu, Vazman Matantayro. Of course, Matantayro was an incredible event, and a very high level, but in one aspect, Purim was greater. <coughs> what aspect of that? That's the aspect of Mesiris Nefesh. And therefore, Oz Dafka. So then Dafka, Hoysakabold was the reaffirmation of Kippur Yehud. Now, this is the basic point of the Maimed that put him in an aspect was greater than Matantera because of the great Mesiris Nefesh. What's the relevance of that? The relevance of that was because the point of Tera was Bitlagzera, to break the division between heaven and earth. And to be mevatel the gezeda, to break the division between heaven and earth, you have to have total mesiras nefesh, total bittel. 
because you have to go above what is below and above what is above and join them together. And only when there's total bittle can you be the bittle of the gzeda was not in such a way that there was supposed to be um, destruction of the Jewish people. But to the contrary, they should remain in their form, in their goof, and be kalim for learning the Abish Tatum. And this required a Mesiris Nefesh, and specifically a Mesiris Nefesh, which was inspired and led by the leader of their generation, which was Mordechai. And of course, the Rebbe told us later in the Maimah that Nasav and Ishma is one level of Mesiris Nefesh, Chanukah is another level of Mesiris Nefesh, and Purim is the highest level of Mesiris Nefesh. So the incredible height of the Mesiris Nefesh of Purim is what makes it able to be the source of the bitl necessary for the total bitl exam. So now the Rebbe says in Siv Beis, we need to understand what the previous Rebbe explained in his mind. The fact that exclusively in the time of Haman and the decree, the Jewish people recommitted themselves because of their Mesiris Nefesh. So the question is, if during the time of Purim, Jewish people merited because of their Mesiris Nefesh to break that Gezeiro, so the question is, why does it matter? Even if we understand that their Mesiris Nefesh makes them greater than Matan why does it have to point out that Mordechai was involved? Moreover, that Mordechai's business was. There's learning to with little children. What does Mordechai in general and Mordechai's learning with little children have to do with this question? The third question is, I am now six lines from the bottom of page Tzamaches. We need to understand to explain what the Rebbe asked in the beginning of the moment. The fact when the Ebishter gave us the the Jewish people are on the highest levels. When the Ebishter made the decree they were on the lowest levels. This is both spiritually and materially. And the question is, since when is material important? Arguably, based on the way the Maimed is structured, the only thing that matters, the Heichi Toch, how could it be? When they were in the highest state, by Matanteda, Hoiserakas Chol was only a beginning, and when they found themselves at the lowest ebb, they reaffirmed. So we understand that this idea that during the times of Purim, when they had this terrible decree, they overcame it, is It's important to point out how low their spiritual level was, and nevertheless they had Mercedes Nefesh. And the question is, Why does the previous Rebbe bring in his Maimer? The advantage at the time when the Teda was given, as opposed to and the lowliness at the time of Purim, when we say they completed what had only been begun at Harsina, Gambakash, which was also physical. Now this question is answered on page I involved the little paragraph. 
And the answer basically is because there's two concepts to the Mesiris Nefesh. One concept of the Mesiris Nefesh is sacrifice, and the other concept of Mesiris Nefesh is transformation. One concept of Mesiris Nefesh is that you no longer exist, so to speak. The second concept of the Mesiris Nefesh is that your person is presented to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Torah requires Mesiris Nefesh to break decrees, but Torah also requires that you should exist so you should be able to learn it. So the Mesiris Nefesh of the Neshama is breaking the decree, and the Mesiris Nefesh of the Guf is making the Guf capable of learning Torah. And the Rebbe continues on line, Samachtes, There's additional observations. There's another question. The substance of what's explained in the Maimer. Which is, The time of Mordechai. When the Jewish people reaffirmed their dedication to and the question that Rebbe asks is the the argument is the vast majority of mitzvahs it is written he supposed to live in mitzvahs the average mitzvah if a Jew is told that the only way to keep this mitzvah is by losing his life he's not allowed to give up his life he's not allowed to keep the mitzvah do the Aveda and don't lose your life. And there's only three Avedas where we say, Yehodek Vayav. So what is the significance of being Mesa Nefesh? For every idea of Tate and Mitzvahs, Mesiris Nefesh is only for three. Moreover, these three Mitzvahs, where the obligation is to give your life rather than transgress, which is idolatry, adultery, and murder. The losing or the sacrificing of one's life. Not to transgress and do these Avedis is not Mesiris Nefesh. This is how you fulfill these mitzvahs. Even if you're going to lose your life. And if you look in footnote 22, there's a reference to a very, very famous footnote of the Rebbe in the Maimodim and Tavshin Tess, where he develops this whole subject of Mesiris Nefesh. The Rambam in the Hilchus Yateda, and then of course in the Geras Hashmad lists five different levels, I think, of Mesiris Nefesh and Mesiris Nefesh al Kiddush Hashem. Now, the Rebbe, in this essay, which he wrote as a footnote to Tavshin Tess, observes that there's at least two concepts of Mesiris Nefesh in Chesidus. The first is the concept of Mesiris Nefesh connected to these three Avedis, and the second is the concept of Mesiris Nefesh al Kiddush Hashem. And what's the difference? The difference is, Mesiris Nefesh is a detail in the way you do a mitzvah. Hashem gave you a mitzvah not to murder. You're not allowed to murder even if it costs you your life. You know, it's like the word of Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu wanted to spread Yiddishkeit. If he would have to lose his life to do so, he would do it. But his focus was not on Mesiris Nefesh. His focus was on spreading Yiddishkeit. Similarly, for a person to sacrifice his life not to murder, or to be idolatrous, or an adulterer, is a detail in those mitzvahs. It's not a part of Mesiris Nefesh. And the question therefore is, what does it mean being Mesir Nefesh for all of Teda mitzvahs? Being Mesir Nefesh for all of Teda mitzvahs is not a part of Teda. The, the, the instances where you're Mesir Nefesh for these three Avedis is not, is first of all only for those three. Second of all, it's not Mesiris Nefesh. It's fulfilling those mitzvahs to the extent that you're even willing to give your life away. So what is it about Purim, where Yidna and Mesiris Nefesh for all of Teiru Mitzvahs, how is that relevant? And he adds, 
There's another concept. And the other concept is being Mesa Nefesh to sanctify the name of HaKadosh Baruch Now this is very interesting. Because mitzvahs, Mesiras Nefesh, Al-Kiddush Hashem means what? I am dying to make Hashem's name holy. It's a mitzvah. And the, the way the Maimir of the previous, the Tavshin goes, is that the Friedrich Rebbe brings a Maimir from the middle of Rebbe, who says the Mesiras Nefesh is not one of the mitzvahs. So the Rebbe separates Mesiras Nefesh from Mesiras Nefesh Al-Kiddush Hashem. In other words, there is dying for a cause, not to do this sin or this sin or this sin, which is a mitzvah. And then there is dying not to sanctify the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, L'Kadosh Shem Shemayim Barabbah. Mesiras Nefesh Al-Kiddush Hashem has very different rules. And as it turns out, you could be Mesiras Nefesh Al-Kiddush Hashem almost for anything. If a guy wants you to do any Aveda, even the smallest Aveda, and it's B'Parhesi, it's in public, and his motivation for you doing that Aved is because he wants to desecrate, he wants to violate, he wants to deface and defame Yiddishkeit. So the requirement is you have to be Mesa Nefesh, Akidish Hashem, for the smallest details. So the Rebbe argues, Mesidus Nefesh Stam is limited to three Avedas. Mesidus Nefesh, Akidish Hashem, is a separate mitzvah. So the question then becomes, how is there a concept of Mesiras Nefesh for all of Tehidah and Mitzvahs? There's Mesiras Nefesh for those three Avedas, which are detailed in those three Avedas. There's Mesiras Nefesh Al-Kiddush Hashem, which is an idea unto itself. Umahu ha-hechrich. And what is the necessity by Mesiras Nefesh to sacrifice themselves in all of Tehidah and Mitzvahs b'shvil ha-kabola, in order to accept upon themselves v'kibol ha-yehudim, the klolos ha-tehidah, the Tehidah is entire. This is the question. It's not Mesiris Nefesh, it's not Mesiris Nefesh al Kiddush Hashem, so what is it? And the answer in the Maimon is that it's Bidl. The answer to this question is we have Mesiris Nefesh not to do certain Avedas. You have Mesiris Nefesh al Kiddush Hashem to sanctify Hashem's name. And here he calls it um, Mitzvah Achas. And if I recall from that other Maimon, over there it's not a Mitzvah, it's higher than a Mitzvah. But the idea that Yidna Mesa Nefesh for for all of Yiddishkeit in the time of Purim is about Pittal. That Yidin had to sacrifice themselves, had to be mevatel themselves completely in order to be able to get the Tater completely. Why? Because there's a Gezeda. There's a divide. There is a split. That what's high can't come low, what's low cannot come high. In order for the two to fuse, you have to break these barriers. And to break these barriers, you have to go above both barriers, the barrier of what's below as well as the barrier of what's above. And this required Mesiris Nefesh. So this is not Mesiris Nefesh to fulfill certain mitzvahs. It's not Mesiris Nefesh to be Shem Shemayim Barabim to sanctify the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's Mesiris Nefesh for the sake of Bittl. And the Bittl allows us to bring Tere into the world. And that's the, that's the meaning of what the previous Rebbe says in this Maimir that Yidin completed what they started at Har Sinai through their Mesiris Nefesh. And it continues, Umashakol, so Betanya, is it not true that in the Tanya he also speaks about idea Mesiris Nefesh, which took place when the Yidin left Egypt? The reason for this fact, that Mesha was instructed, and in turn he did instruct, the generation of Jews who went into the Holy Lands, to reach Shema twice every day. 
in the morning and at night, and Dalt Rebbe in chapter 25 interprets that this was to accept upon themselves the yoke of the kingdom of heaven with Mesiris Nefesh. And the Alt Rebbe asks the question what was the need to teach the Jewish people in the Midbar the idea of Mesiris Nefesh? Hashem promised the Jewish people that they had nothing to fear when they would come into the Holy Land, the Goyim they would meet would fear them. So why do you have to talk to a group of Jewish people who are being promised that the non-Jews around them would fear them? Why do you have to talk to them about Mesiris Nefesh? And the answer that the Altarabba brings is, because the fulfillment of Teiru Mitzvah totally depends upon the fact you have to constantly remember the idea of Mesiris Nefesh. And of course, this goes with the story. And I've told this to you a number of times. It's tiny chapter 25 at the end, after the two dots. But the story is that when Dr. Zelikson got married, he got married in Kislev Sashinir Beis, which is a less than a year after the Rebbe accepted the Nesias officially. It was the first Hanukkah of the Rebbe's Nesias. And Dr. Zelikson got married in the hall. And the Rebbe went to the Kabbalah Sponim and spoke. And then he was by the Chopa, of course. And the Sikh, as the Rebbe said, by that Kabbalah's Ponim were about Mesiris Nefesh and Hanukkah. When Dr. Zelikson passed away, some 40 years later, his son, Michal Zolgazunzain, published a biography of his father called Teldes of Avram Abba Reife. And he sent into the Rebbe a transcript of that Sikh that the Rebbe said by his father's Kabbalah's Ponim. And the Rebbe was kind enough to edit it. And it was published in that Sefer. And then it's reprinted in and um, in that sicha, there's an interesting exchange. The Rebbe spoke, they're long sichas. At the end of the sicha, there were two rabbonim, non Labamish rabbonim, who were Mitzada Kala, that is Alexander's Kala's uh, rabbis or community leaders and so on. And one of them asked the Rebbe, why is the Rebbe talking so much about Mercedes Nefesh? And of course, the way I understand their question, their question was, it was just a few years after the Holocaust. So much Jewish blood had been spilled, the Jewish blood hadn't even dried yet. Why is the Rebbe talking so much about dying Al-Kiddush Hashem? And the Rebbe gave a very, very cryptic answer. The Rebbe said, quote, the Rebbe de Shverad Gizokt has an American Daphne Vegan Mesiris Nefesh, which means my father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, said that in America you have to talk about Mesiris Nefesh. But the Rebbe didn't explain why. But in Tanya it explains why. When you live in a society... Where to be a Jew, you have to make sacrifices. You don't have to talk about sacrifices. You have to just do it. When you live in a society where you have to make no sacrifices, then you have to talk about sacrifice. Why? Because when you live in a society where you don't have to make any sacrifice to be a Jew, you forget what a Jew is. What is a Jew? A Jew is a person who is prepared to die not to become cut off from Hashem. And when you live in a society where there's no risk of losing your life because of your relationship with Hashem, you have to talk about that. You have to talk about that concept that if we were living in a different country, we, not my grandfather, not my grandfather's grandfather, I and you and us, would be made to Nefesh Al-Kiddush Hashem. And it's a motivation for living as a religious Jew in your day-to-day life. Which is what says in Tanya chapter 18, 19 until 25, that there's something called Ava Mesoteres, that a Yid could be from, a Yid could be a Benyani, not by being Mesa Nefesh, but by telling himself, if I'm ready to be Mesa Nefesh, I'll Hashem, I'm certainly ready to control my Yetzirah. 
So the Rebbe says that the Jewish people who left Egypt were told Shema Yisrael, which is Mesiris Nefesh. So then, if they were already told Mesiris Nefesh, what's the Chiddush of Purim? So the Rebbe continues and he says, Mesiris Nefesh. The level of Mesiris Nefesh, which was inspired of those Jewish people going into the Holy Land, which is going to motivate being a from a in daily life, who Mesiris Nefesh Bekeich. It's only a Mesiris Nefesh in potential. It's a readiness. It's a giving away of one's will. That if and when there would be a need to be made nefesh who is prepared for it, but it's not happening. In other words, you're remembering the idea of Mesiris Nefesh, not so you have to sacrifice your life. You're remembering the idea of Mesiris Nefesh, so you should remember what a Jew is. That a Jew in a rich country, in a safe country, is still a Jew. And he still has an neshama. And if he is prepared to die al Kiddush Hashem, if he's in a difficult situation, how much more so that in such a comfortable situation, he should be dedicated to Eid and Mitzvah. But there's no dying involved. There's just Koyach. There's the idea. And the Rebbe continues, and he says, A similar idea happened when they received the Teda. Just like the Jewish people who went into the Holy Land, that were inspired to talk about Mesiris Nefesh. It wasn't that they were sacrificing their lives. They were discussing this, the concept of a sacrifice, which is called potential Mesiras Nefesh. The same is true when Hashem gave us the Torah, that Yisha'amru Nasa Venishma. When the Jewish people said, we will do and we will hear. And as I said to you earlier, in Chesidus it says that Nasa Venishma both means Kabbalah Sel. Nasa means Kabbalah Sel Machashmaim, committing to God. And Nishma means Kabbalah Sel Mitzvah, committing to His Mitzvahs. And how much more so? When you add to the Nasa Venishma, a mitzvah sase, to reach Ma twice a day with the theme of Mesiris Nefesh. So, certainly, this combination of Nasa Venishma and saying Shema was Kiblu Aleim Lakayim Kol In these two ideas, they accepted upon themselves to fulfill everything they're going to be commanded. Gam im Nefesh al to be a need to sacrifice themselves. But be afa still loy hoya kabola gemur. It's not a perfect kabola. Vekibol ayudim ad lezman gzeras haman until the time of gzeras haman. Why not? Because at that time it was called mesiras nefesh bekeach, and in the time of Purim, mitzkoshayilah mesiras nefesh bekeach. Actual sacrifice. They actually gave their lives for Hakadosh Baruch So the Rebbe's question is: First of all, why do you have to mesiras nefesh for all of Yiddishkeit? And second of all, why is it such a big deal that in the in the time of Matan Teir and going into Etisol, it was, quote, only, end quote, Mesiris Nefesh Pekayach. And the time of Purim, it was Mesiris Nefesh Bepayel. What's the big difference between Mesiris Nefesh on a potential level and Mesiris Nefesh on an actual level? And again, the Rebbe is going to explain that there was an element of Bittel and there was even an element of Hefker. In other words, when a Yid was Mesa Nefesh in the Purim story, it was, there was a recklessness about it. There was a total abandon of self which doesn't exist when you calculate that you're going to keep Hashem's mitzvahs even if you're going to give your life. And the Rebbe adds a middle level. When the Yidin got the Torah, when they went into Etzisrael, it's called Mesiris Nefesh B'Koyach, potential Mesiris Nefesh. By the Purim story, there wasn't only a Mesiris Nefesh B'Koyach, it had a certain quality of Avkedis, it was reckless. What's in between those two? Mesiris Nefesh of Chanukah. We know that there were two times that the nation of the Jewish people collectively were Mesa Nefesh al Teiru Mitzvahs. The first was Bechanakim. 
Bizman Gizedas Yavan, the time of the three of Yavan. And let me, of course, observe, Hanukkah was not first. Hanukkah was 200 years after Purim, right? It happens first in the calendar year, but Hanukkah happened in the middle of the second base of Mikdash, and Purim happened between the two Batei Mikdash. And when Purim, the time of the decree of Haman, and I want to point out something else, Hanukkah was not a Mesir of Snefesh that involved all the Jewish people. It involved only the Jewish people living in that. So, a very significant number of Jewish people were away in Bavel and in other places, and the arm of the Syrian Greeks couldn't reach them, and they were never at risk. They continued to learn Teir and to do mitzvahs and so forth. They didn't, they didn't have any uh, exposure to this Nisayan. Purim, Achashvedish was a Moshe Bekeeper. The Gemara says he was one of the ten who ruled over the whole world. And there was literally no place to run and hide. Nevertheless, here the Rebbe doesn't draw that distinction. He simply says, Mesiris Nefesh Bepeil Shel Klal Yisrael. And he continues, We know everything in Tate is absolutely precise, and therefore we have another question. The question is, it's not enough that Mesiris Nefesh B'Koyach isn't good. And you have to have Mesiris Nefesh B'Poyo, but in addition, it's not enough that you have Mesiris Nefesh B'Poyo like it happened Chanukah, you have to have Mesiris Nefesh B'Poyo like it happened Purim. The finalizing of our accepting of the Torah. The Purim is linked to an actual sacrifice of life, but specifically on Purim. And not on Hanukkah. It's not only chronological, that since Purim came first, so when Purim happened, they made this new commitment. And it was done, Elagam, but also Mepnei Shamesiris Nefesh de Purim, the sacrifice of Purim. Shayachas Yeisid Ligmar Kabbalah is more connected to the complete acceptance of the Teda. And the final question is, V'tzadach Lov, and the question is again, what is Hachilog Beina Mesiris Nefesh de Chanukah La Mesiris Nefesh de Purim? How is the Mesiris Nefesh of Chanukah? Not enough. And you have to have Davka, the Mesiris Nefesh of Purim. Because of this distinction, the time when we completed our acceptance of the Torah, and of course the answer that the Rebbe brings in the Maimon, and the answer to this question is found on the top, on the bottom of page I in Hay, and the top page I involved, and everybody explained it earlier because Purim, the Hanukkah, pardon me, the Jewish Neshama was attacked. Their religious life was attacked. What they did was attacked. And they were being killed for the way they were living. And they calculated to die for what they were doing. Purim, they didn't attack what they were doing. They attacked them. And the Rebbe observed a very subtle point, which is perhaps difficult to understand. That although they were only killing Yehudim, they were only killing Jews who were diehards, who were kafir uh, and made the Bukhara who were dedicated to Hashem, denying idol worship and committing themselves to all of Tate and Mitzvahs. But once they were Yehudi, they were not being killed for what they did, they would be killed from who they were. In other words, their body was attacked. Not their way of life, but their personality. So the Rebbe argues, Hanukkah and Purim are superior to Nasav and Ishma and the Shema Yisrael of Dezh and and because those were Mesiris Nefesh B'Keach and these are Mesiris Nefesh B'Payel. But he has, argues further that Hanukkah was a Mesiris Nefesh B'Payel where they calculated. They're dying for their Yiddishkeit. And Purim was a Mesiris Nefesh with the Hefkedis because they were not dying for the Yiddishkeit, they were dying for who they were. And they just threw themselves away. And the Rebbe's point is this is the only way Matan could happen.
In other words, this is not only about us accepting the Torah. It's about us. It's about the Torah coming to us. In order for the Torah to come to us, the Gezeda between heaven and earth has to be totally shattered. And the way we can shatter the Gezeda between heaven and earth is by shattering ourselves, the bittle of the Jewish people in the Mesidus Nefesh, of Purim broke that decree and allowed heaven and earth to merge and they should reveal godliness into this world on the highest levels. And of course, as I explained to you in the beginning, another aspect of this is that it's actually ultimately not about dying, it's about living. Okay, so we learned now the first three Prakam of the Maimed. We went through all of the questions and we answered them all. And I just want to finish with one final little idea. And that is that you know what the Gemara says? That Mikan that the first thousand years of Jewish history, a Jew could have said that he's not obligated. Why? Because he has a Maidah, he's a disclaimer. The disclaimer is of us forced. As it says in the Gemara, it's brought into my modem that Kofalem Harkigigis Hashem dangled. Harsine over the head like a press and threatened to kill them all. Pay to hake for And according to Hasidus, it doesn't mean literally wanted to kill them. But they experienced such an incredible revelation of godliness that in effect their free will was taken away or significantly, substantially curtailed. So any Jew could say, my Judaism is forced, so I don't want to do it anymore. But that's until the Purim story. Because the Purim story is mamish the opposite. What did Hashem do in the Purim story? He forced Jews to abandon him. He forced Jews to abandon him. If you think about the Purim story, any Jew whose passport says Yehudi, he goes and he issues a new passport. That is to say, Ivri is out of the woods. Haman wasn't killing Jews indiscriminately. He was killing Yehudim. He was killing Jews who were obstinate. He was killing Jews who were defiant. And Hashem said to the Jewish people, Run! Why remain a Yehudi and lose your life? Become an Ivri and live to see tomorrow. And they refused. So in other words, by Harsina, he took away their choice and forced them to accept the Torah. By Purim, he took away their choice and was in effect forcing them to run away from the Torah. And they wouldn't run. So no Jew can say, I was forced. To the contrary, if Hashem did anything, it was forcing him to leave, and they refused to leave. This became our choice. And this is a very interesting idea. The Rebbe has a sikh on free will. In the Kutusichus, where he asks a question. In the Rambam, free will is in the laws of tshuva. And the Rebbe's question is, why does the Rambam put free will in the laws of tshuva? Isn't free will connected to all of Yiddishkeit? Why tshuva? And in, the answer in short is because tshuva is Mercedes Nefesh. And the true exercise of free will is not in your daily living. Because your daily living is logical, it's limited, it's explicable. The true free will is when you make total sacrifice. Tshuva is total sacrifice, therefore the laws of free will are included in the laws of tshuva. And it's what, this is what the point of the Maimed is. When Hashem forces a Jew to give away his life completely in order to be a Jew, that's a total exercise of free will that it became ours. And the Maidah Rabbah is removed. And that's why Purim is compared to Matan And you all know the Tikkun Ezeah that says that what is Yom Kippur? Yom Kippurim. Yom Kippur is they like Purim. And of course the question becomes, what does Yom Kippur have to do with Purim? And there's a lot of answers, by the way. And one of the critical answers is that Yom Kippur, the center of Yom Kippur was a goyrel, was a lottery. 
and the center of Purim was a was Purim, which means a lottery in Persian. And the Rebbe has a sikh in the where he explains why we use Dafka Persian word. But there's another reason. Because Yom Kippur, we got the second Luchas. And Hashem says, And Purim, we committed ourselves again to keep the second Luchas. So Purim and Yom Kippur share a bond in as much as Tehidah is concerned. And nevertheless, we say Yom Kippur is less than Purim. Because it's Yom Kippurim. How could you say that Purim is greater than Yom Kippur? And the answer is because by Yom Kippur, the holiest person goes to the holiest place on the holiest time. And by Purim, every single Jew was Mesa Nefesh al Kiddush Hashem. And as such, our accepting of the Tera was greater by Purim even than it was on Yom Kippur. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.